This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Welcome back to the show. Sandy and Sean. Sandy Clough is on my left and joining us as he does every Monday for Mental Health Monday is our friend Dr. Rick Perea from Think One for you.org that's think one the number for you.org and uh we're gonna give you the floor in a moment to crow about it a little bit because you have talked about this concern for colorado that finally manifested uh this weekend when they had taken a 29-0 lead looked like they maybe had a difficult time and i mean players coaches everybody taking stanford seriously at that point and then little by little a gritty Stanford team just nibbled and nibbled and nibbled and then found themselves in the game and then eventually ends up winning it uh, in double overtime. But you talked about the idea of a there's talent and then there's structure and both are needed for teams to thrive. Yeah. You know, st- structure, accountability, and discipline have never went out of style. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always been in style, especially in, in the game of football. And I think that's one of the things we're missing um, – Totally with with Dion's mission up there. I, I just you know he talks a lot about being an old school coach and I, and I and I get that. Um, you know he's fifty four, fifty five years old, so he's been around for a while. But you really have to implement it from the top down, and that includes him, his position coaches, his coordinators. I'm not sure that's happening. Um, you know I don't. I'm not sure it can happen when you have so much hoopla on the sidelines and and pregame and and halftime. And I, you know, I don't know if this is an accurate statement. I got it from a really reliable source that Shador, during halftime, was uh, making um, posts on on his Instagram page, and um, also mm-hmm. for merchandise that he was putting out merchandise for people to purchase. And that's what I mean. That's the risk I think yes. we run, Sean and Sandy, when you have a program that is so open and so full of hoopla. I mean, you know, I, 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 as a player, and again, I guess I'm so, count myself in the old school. I would not want all those people on the sidelines. I would not want all those people in pregame. Sure, a, a speaker now and then. That, I yes. get that, but that constantly, I really think, breaks down structure, accountability, and discipline. And and for one, I'm not surprised at all. I think they're a very talented team. They'll get better. Um, but I think what Dion really needs to do, he, he just, what is he, in his fifth year of coaching a college football team? That's that's nothing. I mean, he, he wasn't a coordinator. He wasn't a position coach at that level. And that goes, you need that experience. You need those hiccups, those bumps in the road where you learn. And I think he just thinks he can do everything verbally and vocally and inspire people. And I love that. But at the same time, if you don't build a house with a solid foundation, it will not withstand the storm. He spoke after the game, and I want to get your reaction to this, about spotting complacency. Yes. At halftime in a locker room, right. he did not mention the incident with, with Shador, um, may not have even been aware of it um, if it if it did happen, but he did speak of complacency. Yeah. And my question was, all right, you're talking about complacency now. Why didn't you address that? Right. If you sensed complacency, if you sensed that people thought the night was done, right. mission accomplished, we're five and two, Yeah. why didn't you do something? And how on earth during the course of a game can you, as the head coach, permit not one, not two, not three, but four 
illegal substitution penalties. Right. Three of them happening in the second half. The defensive coordinator, uh, Charles Kelly, who I think you may know. Sure, yeah. Uh, I don't know him, but I know of him, and I knew of him last year when I was in Tuscaloosa for the Texas A&M-Alabama yep. game. Yep. Uh, more than a year ago, I'd heard about him and how important he was to the defense, which yep. was the strength of last year's Alabama team. He's running around after every penalty like he's going to have a heart attack. He's sprinting <laughs> from one end of the sideline to the yeah. other, going crazy. That's his call. Right. And if it's happening over and over again, where is the head coach? Right. Well, I think one of the things that Dion misses, and again, I, I want people to understand something really clear. I like Dion as a person. I like Dion even as a coach. But you just can't walk in off the street and after four years and be a head coach and, and think you know it all. Now, it'd be one thing if he was coming at this from a really humble perspective, but he's not. I mean, he's talking about we're coming, we're here, yeah. we're this, we're that. And that gets old. And you know Oh, what? and the people who don't see where we'll be six months from now right. don't know anything and they're just haters? And they're just haters, yeah. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, no, I'm not a hater. I'm just an analytical mm -hmm. thinker. I'm a critical thinker. I have that skill set. And that's what I don't like about what he says is he doesn't even take things into consideration. For example, leadership. Leadership is is not just developed overnight. It's developed over trials and tribulations and experiences. Sometimes it's formally, sometimes it's anecdotally, sometimes it's experiential. But his his lack of leadership, I think, is showing, and it will show throughout the season because, again, we've talked about their schedule coming up here. They're going to – they may not win another game. They may not be favored to win another and, game. And and here and here's another example of how what what I don't like. And I want to be specific because you asked me one time, Sean, specifically, what does he say that I don't like? He leverages players, and this is what I mean by that. He'll tell them that we better do this or else. Now you'll probably say, oh, a lot of coaches do that. Yeah, they may do that at practice. They may do that in private, but they don't do that in the media. They don't do that in front of people. Um, he said in the media the other day that Shador went down after a sack and only one offensive lineman came to help him up. And I thought to myself, you know what, Dion? Perhaps you ought to think to yourself, why is only one offensive line going to help him? Maybe there's not the cohesion, the co collaboration. Maybe there's not the love there. I know, as you have told you guys two or three times, Three times. I know a freshman up there from Cherry Creek who started the CSU game at, 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 at uh, center. And um, Dion had only talked to him one, one or twice times from June to September. So I don't think he immerses himself with the whole team like great leaders do. I think he's specifically with skill positions. And with, and, with the big stars. And, and specifically with the big stars. And I think the players, after a while, will look around and go, wait a minute, you know, we're, what about us? What about us? The three technique on defense, the five technique, the defensive tackles, the ones that, you know, in the front seven that are fighting a battle up there every day, not just the glamour position. So, um, you know, he'll learn. He'll learn this season. I, I, I will say this. Next season, and I'll say this, too, if he's here, next season – I would say that he'll approach this from a much different perspective, and I think he'll give himself a better chance at winning, and not only winning, but having structure and accountability within his coaching staff and within the team at large. Is this primarily, in your opinion, more about the uh, the person, or is this somehow a little bit of a combination? Because what's we know that this is unprecedented yeah. in college football. The idea that basically he's had to be, to a certain extent, 
you know, carnival barker. Uh, he's trying to be head recruiter, head salesman, all, all of these things at the same time to bring in the talent to a one-win team last year. Basically, it seemed to me as if some of this may be Sanders himself that he has to learn because you're right. He coached, you know, three seasons at, at Jackson State. Uh, this one in Colorado, a couple of years in high school, slightly, very different, especially at a right. small 700-person school. But what he was asked to do was sort of multiple things. And so it's almost as if there isn't even enough time uh, to do all these things properly. This team was not thrown together over the course of the year. It was really thrown together over the course of about eight months. Yeah. And you're talking about bringing in all sorts of players, bringing in new coaches, bringing in everything all fresh and new, trying to make sure you raise the profile of the university. And, oh, yeah, you also have to actually make sure you have a, a team that can play consistently. Right. They have athletes at certain positions. They don't have athletes at all the positions. Is this just the idea that Dion or the university, or a little bit of both, maybe didn't understand exactly how much they were taking in one big bite yeah and i think the biggest mistake you're absolutely right and some I, of it could be smaller next year you yeah. wouldn't might you wouldn't have to do as much of those things next right year. but i think the biggest mistake that dion made was says we're gonna win now that was yeah. the biggest yeah. mistake he made because he could have come in and said you know what we're gonna change the culture now we're gonna change the, the personnel now i'm gonna change the staff now but to say we're gonna win now yeah. that was the biggest mistake yeah. and now he's having to answer to that that's where he lost me. But, but he contradicted himself because at his introductory press conference, I remember mm-hmm. it vividly. I was the MC uh, for, the, for the affair on another radio station. I remember him saying specifically, we're going to win. This is introductory press conference. <laughs> right. We're yep. going to win, and it may take but, but, he said not and, but it may take a little longer than some people would like. And I said on the air at that time, this is last December 9th, 10th, whenever he was introduced. I said, I think he's talking to himself there, too. When he says it may take longer than some people would like, he's reminding himself of that. But you're right in that in the ensuing months, especially after TCU, we're a winner right now. We're a threat. Yeah. We're a ranked team. We're a threat. We've arrived. Well, it isn't we're coming anymore. We've arrived. You know, I you guys know the work I do, and I work with college coaches, NFL coaches, and I know that the painstaking work that they put in, you've seen it firsthand mm-hmm. at, the uni- yeah. at the University of Miami, at the Miami yeah. Dolphins yeah. facility. Yeah, well, when it, maybe it could have been. It, it might have worked better at the University right. of Miami. You wouldn't have had an owner. <laughs> but yeah. you, you, we, you, you guys know the work that I do, and I see the work that those guys put in from the top to the bottom, and I just know that he wasn't going to reinvent the wheel yeah. on how to coach. He wasn't going to come in and say, oh, all I got to do is get, you know, the, use the transfer portal, yeah. bring them all in. Sure, he's an attraction. Sure, he's going to yeah. get some five-star, four-star guys sure. that typically probably he wouldn't He did come at Jackson here. State. Yeah. Why wouldn't he so I, I get be that. able to do that here? But what I'm talking about is being able to allocate and, and deploy – the, the assistants and the coordinators in a way and have hold them accountable and he needs to know what they don't know and that's another question that I'm not sure where he's at that he doesn't know what they don't know to be able to hold them accountable because he just doesn't have that much experience here's one fallacy that so many people make people make an assumption that just because a person plays the game at a high level means they can coach it this is not true. I mean, you you know, nothing against Ed McCaffrey, nothing against right. Dave Logan, <laughs> any of those people. 
But just because you can play doesn't necessarily mean you can. Come. And Dave is the one guy who went beyond that. Yes, but you'll he went but you will that. notice, I think, and we talked about this just before you came on. When we, you hear about you know baseball managers, where do they often come from? Catchers. Yep. Not a yep. lot of superstars. Yeah. When you talk about uh, when you talk about players that that become great coaches, are they often stars? They're generally not. not. Some of them are pretty good, yeah. but they're rarely yeah. stars. Yeah. And that's because of what we talked about before. And when you are a Deion Sanders caliber player. An all-time great. Mm-hmm. Some of the things that you know yeah. instinctively on how to win at football games simply can't be taught, and other people simply don't possess it, at least right. not very many of them. Right. So how then do you try to move that along? And I think that's where a lot of great athletes tend to get tripped up. That I, I said it before you, you came on. I do think when you hear, uh, whether it's, you know, we talked about Magic Johnson or, <laughs> or we, we talked about Deion Sanders or John Elway drafting quarterbacks, it comes from... From a place of probably some humility to say that I can teach somebody to be what I was. And and that's that's good. That's healthy. Because you're not saying, oh, I was just better and you can't do anything about it. It's healthy. But there are things that certain people can't do. LeBron James could coach me all day long. I'm not dunking a basketball. That's just not ever going to happen. Nikola Jokic can teach me how to pass. I'm never seeing the lanes he's seeing. That's what makes them them. Sure. And I think that Deion Sanders, well, these great players that have that, and he's on a very high level, the only person to ever play in a Super Bowl and a World Series. That jump to learn that the things that you would love to teach players may not be teachable, that they were just for you. Right. Now how do you distill what you can bring forward? That seems to be a big filter separating coaches who are great players into making them great coaches. Yeah, and I think Dion is very egocentric in the sense that he looks at the game like he saw it through his lens. Yes. You know, that he could just turn on the speed, make not a play. Not built for the moment, right. is one of the things yeah. he said. Yeah. One of the things he said, yeah. not built for the moment. Changed. Well, he was. Not yeah. everybody is. Right, and so the brain and the autonomic nervous system are making decisions with quick twitch muscle fiber, fibers that slow twitch muscle fibers can't cash. It's a check they mm-hmm. can't cash. He's got to understand that there's a way to build a football team that's organizationally based. It's not necessarily X's and O's. X's and O's isn't the only way to win. I mean, if that were true, Denver'd be winning. I mean, look at the, look at the years and years of experience that Sean Payton's had. Look at the years. I mean, he's got guys on that staff who are in their early 70s have been coaching for 40-some years. Oh, the Westhoff? Uh, his, his, the Joe Vitt. And he's got Joe a quarterback that's got a decade yeah. under his belt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a quarterback that's, that's won a Super Bowl. I mean, right. that's not necessarily true. What's true is the organizational performance, understanding who to put in what positions, how to hold them accountable, and also to be able to see through the lens what's happening. See, Dion, when he says he felt complacency, Okay, he should have sensed that going into the game. Maybe it wasn't there then, but now it is. Okay, the, the, you don't spend so much time on those whiteboards doing X's and O's. You talk to this team and say, here's what we got to do in the second half. And it's organizationally based from the leadership perspective, from a communication perspective. Why do I see so many poor nonverbal uh, outputs from players on CU's team? Because – they're not being taught that leadership piece and the way they carry themselves. I saw Shador. I saw so many players on that team when they made a bad play, their chin's in the dirt, their nonverbals are not very good. This team is – they're trying to build it too quickly, and they need to go back and lay a foundation for this team. And then I'm all on board. I'm all on board. Dion can be Dion, but, man, you got to build it from the ground up. Right. There was an incident on the field after a pass was caught 
and it probably was the Stanford kid who caught all the passes in the second half. I can't remember. In which uh, Stoutmeyer, mm-hmm. number 23, was primarily on the coverage. Shiloh Sanders standing back, and the pass is completed, pushed out of bounds, and Shiloh starts waving his arms, yeah, yelling at the kid. A few yeah. minutes later, the kid comes off, Dion gets on him, and the kid, perhaps to his credit, yells back at Dion, yells yeah. right back at Dion, and Dion just turns away and walks away. But that was the, I'm saying this meltdown is fully underway. You've got player yelling at player on the field. You got coach yelling at the yep. same guy coming off the field. You got a defensive coordinator running up and down the sidelines <laughs> like a crazy man because he can't get eleven people on the field, yeah. the right eleven people, so he puts twelve out there. Yeah. Well, and and here's a few nuances that I watched. The what's who's number thirteen that caught all the balls? Oh yeah, L. Like Iomano. Yeah, yeah that, that kid. He, what did he catch? Twelve balls or something? Thirteen. Thirteen in the second balls half. All in the second half. Two hundred ninety-four yards. All in the second half. Let me tell all you the something. Touchdown passes I, he caught in the second. I've been around football since I was twelve years old as a player, coach. I've never seen psychologist. I have never seen them throw the ball to the same player, yeah. same routes, time and time again. It was as if no adjustments. It was no adjustments. It was as if they were saying, "Travis, who? Yeah. What? Huh?" Yeah. We can get open on him every play. And it was almost like they were sticking it to him. And that's the concern I have, Sandy and Sean, is that teams are starting to really target, put a target on CU and say, man, let's get these dudes. These dudes think, you know, he thinks he can come in here and reinvent the wheel. Let's show these guys what this is really about. I mean, because literally they put him, Travis, on 13 to what? Shut him down. And he wasn't. Even play after play after play. It reminds me of, like, stopping the run. You know where they're coming, but you just can't stop them. They couldn't stop him. So I think that that Dion does not want to leverage his players in front of the media, in front of, you know, staff where people can see it. I I just – players don't like that. The other thing he's doing is I think he's setting up his team for failure because he has this ultra-level high expectations of we're going to win now – and it's just not realistic. It's just not realistic. And when we're done with the season, we'll be able to look at their record and say, you know what? Yeah, it probably should have been approached in a different way. And that's between Rick, Rick George, yeah, and Dion too. Rick, Rick is part of this. He's sure. part of this whole well, process, and he needs to be invested held accountable too. in Dion. Uh, yeah. All the power that a coach yeah. could possibly want or have. But I'm. I want you guys to know I'm all on board. I mean, if if Dion wants to be the cheerleader and the guy he is. That's fine, but you better have some coordinators and position coaches that, right. that are have that have the leadership skills to say, "Hey, coach, we don't need to have all these guys on the sidelines. We don't need yeah. to have this and this. We can win without all that stuff." And I just don't think he has. Co- I think he's got a lot of yes men underneath him, and I think it's going to take time for he's either going to find out what's who's 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 on board, who can help him win, because um, I don't think this thing is going to get better yet. It's going to get worse before it gets I, better. I, I want to ask you about the, the business of loving the game uh, real quick before we let you go. He says after the game, uh, we didn't understand a moment, uh, and he said this in his press conference. I asked my players, do you love the game or you do you merely like this game? And, you know, okay, He's probably right. They're pro- most of the players on the team probably don't love football the way Dion has always loved it and dedicated himself to it. But this is almost the coach after embracing everybody and everything after TCU. 
who's now doing right. distancing himself. Yeah, and you can't do that. See, what you can do, just because you don't play as well in a game doesn't mean you move from love to like. You can still love the game and not play well. Yeah. See, he's throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. You either love it or you, lo- or you like it. No, you can love this game and not play well. For one game, two games, three games, sometimes a season. You can't oversimplify things, and that's the thing that I think Dion does on a regular basis. He oversimplifies mm. things, and the painful thing about that is he doesn't even know he's doing it. That's what's yeah. painful to watch. It will be fascinating, of course. You know, five more games on the schedule. If the Buffs were to lose all of them, they'd win four, which would still be a significant improvement over the one that they've had, let alone the attention. So, I mean, in, in, in one way, it's going to end up, I guess, as a positive, but if they were to crash and burn and lose the rest of the way, Things change dramatically, and it depends. You know, we all have bumps. Depend depends on how you react to them. That's it. That matters, and that's why we have a chance to talk every Monday with Dr. Rick Perea. Our checkup from the neck up. You can catch him every Monday right here at 5 p.m. talking about all of it. You can check out everything the good doctor is doing over at thinkoneforyou.org. That's thinkone, the number four, you.org. Thanks so much, Doc. All right, fellas. Great to be here. See you later. All right, thanks so much. There were other teams cooking. The Rams... The Falcons, they got wins. We'll talk about them next on My Life Sports. Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. One final shot. Fowler Nicolosi chucking it into the end zone. Everybody is there. Is it caught? Is it caught? Colorado State! Dallin Holker makes the catch. It's a miracle in Fort Collins. We're tied up. Just when you think you've seen... Just when you think you've seen everything in college football. Oh, my. <laughs> that was Dirk Cutter, by the way, the analyst saying just when you think you've seen everything. Dirk Cutter is probably a little younger than I am, but not much. He's seen and a lot. he's seen a lot as a, a, a former head coach, assistant coach. He's seen a lot. Probably not too many instances where a team has been down by 20 points with four minutes, two seconds remaining and won the game without overtime. Think about this. Three touchdowns, 21 points in four minutes, one second. We talked about the idea that, that the old ESPN analytics app, right, that the AFC uses that uh, at one point Colorado was a 99.5% yeah. chance to win. Yeah. Well, CSU broke it. For the first time ever, they won a game in which – the other team was 99.9% likely to win in Boise State. And the and, only uh, reason and, and they get it done. 100% is because the game's not over yet. Right, exactly. This is as high as it That's gets. That's the only reason. Give, I give mean, them, you could be up 59 to 10 with a minute to go, and it's 99.9. Right. It can't be 100 until the game is official. Not even possible. Uh we, we've seen this with the Rams a little bit. Of course, we know the game that they played in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. They could have and and maybe even should have beaten well, the Buffaloes said that little night. little karma and, over the uh, weekend, I think. Dallin Holker, a big part of that run in the in that uh, Rocky Mountain Showdown, too. Yeah. You know what I liked about that? I mean, 
that there's there's been a lot to like about what Jay Norvell has done there, and we I, I've mentioned it before. I liked I was like the hire. I think it's he's going to be able to turn it around. I like the style of offense and altitude. I think it makes sense. Uh, I like a lot of it, and the move to Braden Fowler Nicolosi at quarterback was yeah, a I like smart him. one. I like it. Uh, obviously, you're talking about a freshman out of Texas now. Well, uh, what an arm though. The yeah, he makes mistakes because yeah. he's a freshman. Fourteen touchdowns but to eleven what an picks. Arm. But already thrown for almost 2,000 yards. Yeah. Uh, he's got a great arm. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He does have uh, accuracy. I think it's it's not the interceptions have been because of reads. You're a freshman. Yeah. You're, you're learning the speed difference. Uh, he's accurate. He's strong. He's got good receivers in, in Holker. Yep. And an outstanding one in Torrey Horton who's going to play in the NFL. Well, Torrey Horton is going to play in the NFL. And early in the game, he dropped a sure touchdown pass. Yep. Long pass right there in the bread basket, and he, he dropped it. And you know, I went to bet on that one too. <laughs> when it was thirty All to thirty-one in the second half for the Rams, yeah. and uh, especially on that play, give them credit for the way they handled that play, because the, you know you you know your quarterback can get it there. But one of the habits that you see a lot of the time, and this really is Holker, who when I got a chance to see him in person up in Colorado, I was impressed. His role there. The way you set up a Hail Mary in general, right, especially if you're running a three-man a three bunch to one side. There are right. a couple different ways you can run it, but if you're going to run three-man bunch to one side, it's not everybody gets in a pile like you did in elementary school and everyone jumps up for the ball. A couple of guys are supposed to be in positions to get tips. Yes. Holker, near the front of the goal line, is the guy that's there. Your job is to get the tips. The temptation in that case, however, is to look back for the ball. And now you're backpedaling. On that play, Holker doesn't look back. He's getting to the goal line, and he's looking at the pile of guys all jumping up. So when it gets batted down, he was ready for they it. They did play it right, Boise, in the sense they batted they did. it down. They batted it down, was but Holker was there ready. to retrieve it. And what he was told, apparently, as they were lining up by Horton was, beware of the bleeping tip. Right. In other words, focus on the tip. The Don't tip. focus on the pass. It's going to get you. We, we know it's going to get deep enough that it won't hit you there. Get and ready for the tip. And they will probably knock it down, but get ready. And they for did. It got knocked down low in front, which, which yep, Boise supposed to do. Right. And he scoops it off the ground yep. for the the catch. Well, and and we talk about coaching. That's a well coached yes team. Yes, that's a well coached team with receivers, coaches who are teaching the guys to do what they're supposed to do. Norvell, of course, runs that has run that air raid forever, and uh, this this feels like. A turning point for the Rams, could who be. get to three and three, could who could have even gotten a win after that, but uh, after a bad loss at Utah State, in which they had a, a lead, seventeen nothing that lead. they coughed up, and uh, now you feel like they're they're going to go on the right track. Now they have they have some tough games on their schedule left. They they have Air Force left. They have Wyoming left. They're not going to win. Uh, they have San Diego Liberty. State left. Yeah. Uh, Nevada is um, having a good year. Uh, Nevada is good. Of course, that's you know. Uh, oh, it, I'm and, sorry. Am I mistaken on that? Was it in Nevada or UNLV? Oh. It's having a good year. Yeah, Nevada's 0-6. UNLV's yeah, yeah. having yeah. a surprise. So they're going to beat but, Nevada and they're going to beat Hawaii yeah. to get to five wins. And that's why I say maybe they don't get to six. Maybe they don't get to a bowl game. But they have a good chance to finish with a better record in Colorado, yeah. even though they lost yeah. to them. And I, I thought that there was some justice UNLV in the five sense and one, by the way. Yeah. that, yeah, UNLV's good. Uh, the... Game against Colorado, they should have won. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the other night they should have lost. So it, it there's some karma. 
at play then. And, and, you know, CU split with Stanford and Colorado State. Uh, probably should have beaten Stanford and right. should have lost to Colorado State. So four and three is four and three. And to me, we can cut through everything we've talked about for the last hour and a half. CU after seven games is four and three with a team that should be four and three. Yeah. I mean, they're about where they need I to mean, be. Yes, they've uh, lost some that uh, they shouldn't have lost, and they've won some, obviously, they shouldn't have won. But four and three is about who they and are. Colorado State is three and three. And, and Colorado and, State is three and three, and that's about who they yeah, are. You could argue right they maybe could have held on against Utah State. They did have the lead, but these well, are the learning. Yeah, but they also but, lost 44 24. Right. Yeah, it wasn't close. <laughs> so. But I, I feel like for the Rams, this is this is kind of when I say a turning point, I don't mean oh they're gonna go on a huge no, run no, and make a no, bowl. No. But but the understanding right. that, okay, we have we've hired the right coach. Yes. That coach has the right system. And we got the right quarterback. This we have to give it time. Yep. Uh, th- this isn't this isn't uh, Deion Sanders over you know uh, seventy five no, new players. No, no they're not that's not what they're gonna do. You gotta do, do it the old fashioned way. But here's where some of the odd advantage is that the nature of Colorado's season and how visible it is it was the fifth national television game last week for the Bucks. Yes. Also brought Colorado State into a game in which it was the highest ranked and most watched nighttime game ESPN has ever aired. True. And the Rams looked really good. They did. They did. The added attention to the state as a whole and the program is going to help Jay Norvell accelerate the recruiting a I little so. bit. Not night and day, but it will help. And they have a beautiful new stadium. It is a... And maybe people won't leave as readily <laughs> when they're buying by 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, maybe not. And th- this was their first ever win over Boise State. It's obviously right. a great moment. But it-, it feels to me like this is sort of the evidence that... Colorado State can look at and say, this is a plan worth following through. This is going to work. We have to give it time. But everything says this is going to work. And that's a good feeling because, quite frankly, where it stands with Colorado, I don't know if you quite feel that way yet. Is it going to work in the short term? Well, it already has. The, yes. the amount of attention, the amount Absolutely. of money. The, the Buffs can lose out the rest of the way. The season has been a monumental success. Of course. End well, of look story. Look at the marketing. It doesn't the, matter. The merchandise selling that's going on and the increases and everything else. He's more than paid for himself. He's created excitement. Uh, but Everything in the Time Magazine article was true. But I, I, I did see a roundtable last week of people who've been around Dion a lot in our business. And I understood the point they were making, but it, it it came, I think, after the USC game. And the thinking was, well, you know, no matter how many games they win this year, it's already been a success. And as far as that goes, I agree with mm-hmm. it. But I also took that as almost a sign that, well, we we judge him by a different standard now not by wins so much. In the end, it, it sort of is. And he's created that notion that he can win immediately. Immediately and in an unconventional way. That's a lot that's to a, that's live a big up lift. to. It's a big lift. That's the concern. And I think when we talked about that, the Dr. Rick Bray, that, that, that was the moment. Because... You know, it it was contradictory because I you agree with you with the opening press conference. I thought it was, 
I thought it was quite uh, heartening to hear we're yes. going to win, but not as quickly as everyone thinks. He was thinks. both entertaining and I thought realistic. But in the ensuing months, After I think he got, he more got and more caught talent, up in it. Got caught up in the, in, in the hype and it's, a little bit. And it's easy to do because you could see, even before they played their first game, you could see what the difference was. And then when they pulled off an upset against TCU, the attention even increased to the point where there are multiple pregame shows right. on competing networks. Mm-hmm. Who are doing their pregame shows live from Boulder? Yeah, even, only, even though only one of them was actually broadcasting the when game. When was the last time Fox and ESPN on the same day were in Tuscaloosa, for example? It had only happened three times in history before, ever. And I assure you, those were yeah, more significant games. Oh well. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, it, it, this is it's an odd situation, but great, great, great stuff by the Rams there to, to get that. It feels like yeah, maybe karma evens out a little yes, bit. Evens uh, out a little they, bit. They get that win, and but I. It, but it I'll does you, feel like it, the game I did watch they from have start that, to that finish. That freshman quarterback that they have, you know, you're going to probably get four years of him and Norvell. Yeah. They might work some magic. I, I wanted. I know we're getting ready to uh, move on for our final minutes here, but I, I thought the game I did stay with was Air Force mm-hmm. Wyoming. Enormously entertaining. Air Force's quarterback, who's terrific, gets hurt at the end of the game. Uh, they're nursing the lead. They are up six, and the poor kid has trouble with an exchange on a handoff. They fumble it. They'd only fumbled twice all year before the game on Saturday night down at the academy. They lose the ball. Wyoming scores a tying touchdown. Misses the extra point. Still tied. Literally the next play, the poor kid fumbles. (laughs) Again. They recover. That defense, and Air Force has not generally been known for no. defense, that defense held up against a pretty good offensive team in Wyoming, forced a long field goal that happened to miss, so the score is still tied, and the kid comes back in, and he makes a great play to set up the yeah. winning score, which was actually a touchdown, uh, yeah. and they end up winning the game by seven. Yeah, a pitch. Unbelievable. Uh, and they deserve to be ranked 22nd in the yep. country. And if Air Force played Louisville, I'd pick Air Force. If Air Force played Missouri, I'd pick Air Force. I'm not sure I wouldn't pick them over LSU because LSU doesn't have a defense. The and Air Force plays hard. That play at the end, too, and you're talking about the depth of runners, of course. Uh, John Lee Eldridge with that 58 oh, yards carry. What a run. Eldridge had two carries for seven yards prior to that. So, I mean, uh, they continue to come out of it. So, great performance by the Air Force. And guess what? They're ranked just in time for Navy Week. uh, Yes, and they will beat Navy. And that will be uh, broadcast nationally as well. So, looking up for a lot of the programs in the state, pretty exciting. We'll turn our attention back to the Denver Broncos. After losing, Sean Payton said he's encouraged. Are you? We'll talk about it next (laughs) on Mile High Sports. (laughs) The only I get up, I get down, and I'm jumping around, and the rumpus and ruck is so comfortable now, been a hell of a ride. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar.
on Mile High Sports. I told our players I was disappointed, but honestly, I'm not discouraged. That was what Sean Payton said. After the Broncos lost 19-8 to Kansas City, apparently holding the Chiefs to 19 is good enough to be encouraged despite the fact your quarterback didn't get to 100 yards passing, which, by the way, just saying never happened under Nathaniel Hackett, and the team only scored eight points. Well, he he played his worst game in a Bronco uniform. I which means he played his worst game as a pro, basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I thought it was, and it was worse than any game he played for Hackett last year. And this is supposed to be an offensive guru who apparently doesn't believe in putting people in motion or doesn't trust them to go in motion without committing a penalty. And so they're the most static, uncreative offense I've seen. And if, if last year was one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL, what do you make of this year? The expectations of Peyton were certainly more than one in five last year. They weren't one in five. You know, last first year, year head coach, year. some expectation there. The Broncos zero four in conference, uh, making that look even. Uh, worse. Oh, they're in terrible shape with tiebreakers. As if I mean, as if it was going to matter. I mean, it's not. The only tiebreakers they're going to be looking they're at is how high they the pick AFC. in the draft. Yeah, they're the worst team in the AFC. There's nobody even close. Oh, the mean is bad. Patriots are pretty bad, but I uh, I will accept your judgment on that. the Patriots are <laughs> close to being bad. as bad as the Broncos, which means there will be a showdown on Christmas Eve here in Denver between these two awful teams, uh, the two worst teams. Although I, I do think, I do think the Patriots are better. I just think they have a better coach. Now, speaking of too much on coach's plate, I think now at this stage of Bill Belichick's career, there's probably too much on his plate. Yeah. And I think that, I don't think Robert Kraft will fire Bill Belichick at the end of the year. I have, I think but, Belichick may retire. But, I don't think he'll retire either because no? football's all he does and all he has and all it's it, all of his intelligence, which is considerable, mm-hmm. has been applied over the years to football. And I, I, I think for the most part, he's a complicated guy. But for the most part, that's been for the betterment of uh, football in general, that that kind of intellect is applied uh, to the coaching profession. Uh, uh, almost unprecedented. But I think Teddy Bruschi today made a good point in saying that Robert Kraft will have to make the judgment if Bill Belichick continues as head coach, is he is the objective to catch Don Shula. And I guess there's a question now, which will come first, breaking Shula's record for most wins, or if they lose eight more games before he wins 18, Mm. entirely likely he becomes the losingest coach in the history of the National Football League. And I I think, listen, I think you can make an argument for Belichick being the best coach of all time, at least in the NFL. I think that's a tougher argument to make if he ends up holding the record for most losses. It's a yeah, tougher argument it is. to make. Not impossible, but tougher argument to make. Uh, his winning percentage will still be superb, even if they continue to lose the way they're losing now. But while I don't think he'll be fired, 
I think Kraft will say you've got to take stuff off your plate. They're going to have a top five pick. Yep. They're going to be able to pick a quarterback. Yes. They need to pick a quarterback. Yes. Do you trust Bill Belichick to make that call? I'm not sure Robert Kraft trusts Bill Belichick to make that call. Well, he's only really made. Bill Belichick to coach the quarterback that somebody else selects? Yes. Yes. Uh, Maybe even Bill O'Brien stays as offensive coordinator and coaches the new quarterback. Mac Jones is so far gone. I I don't think he's salvageable. At least not not in a Patriots not, uniform. Not in at a least. Patriots uniform. Right. He's not he's not salvageable. But it, it, this is the thing that Rick Perea was talking about a little bit with with Dion too. It, it's a different set of issues and a different combination of things that Dion is doing. You can't do everything. No one man can be everything. And I, I think we're finding with Belichick that the general manager, Belichick, has undermined the coach. I still think he's a hell of a coach. And I know they lost to the Raiders yesterday with Brian Hoyer, a former Patriot, playing quarterback for the Raiders after Garoppolo uh, suffered his annual injury. Uh, I Applauding it, I'm just saying it's inevitable that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to get hurt. And the Patriots played with a spirit that I haven't seen from the Broncos. Now, they're a bad team, so the Raiders beat them. And the Raiders aren't a good team, but you know what? The Raiders are 3-3, and and Josh McDaniel still has never lost to the Broncos and still has never lost to a Bill Belichick coach team. And he's had several chances to lose to Bill Belichick's Patriots, and he's won every time. He's won the last two years as coach of the Raiders, and he won in his uh, uh, almost two years uh, coaching the Broncos. I'm just, they're gradations. Mm-hmm. And the clearly the three worst teams in the league, in whatever order, are New England, Denver, Carolina, whatever order you put them in. Yeah, I think that's that's the case too. I really do. And uh, and you have no you have no unbeaten team. So the seventy two Dolphins, those who are still alive yep. to celebrate, yeah, got to uh, lift the champagne last night after uh, the Eagles were beaten by the Jets. And you talk about a karma win. I, I think there was some karma in that. But the Jets, um, I don't believe Aaron Rodgers will come back this year. However. He is walking without crushes. Yeah. And he is apparently maniacally devoted to the rehab. And maybe he can pull an Adrian Peterson and come back if months could, if before. If he could somehow keep the team afloat would, in, and, the, and, and in the meantime. Just keep the team going. They're three and, and three. I thought Zach Wilson actually was better yesterday, even before they rallied late in the game. Yeah. He was against the Broncos in a the game they won by. 10 points. Go look in the last few weeks, by the way. Their point differential in the year, the Jets, is only minus six yeah, now. They, and they're a terrific defensive team. Now, I think the Eagles lost the game because Lane Johnson got hurt, the right tackle, and the Eagles aren't the same without Lane. Lane Johnson is the most valuable Eagle, and I love Jalen yep. Hurts. But Lane Johnson, the difference when Lane Johnson plays and Lane Johnson doesn't play it goes back years and yeah. years, almost to the beginning well, of Johnson's the- career with a variety of quarterbacks. They're all good when he plays. They're terrible when he doesn't. And yesterday, that included Jalen Hurts, who was terrible, and Zach Wilson outplayed. Eagles him. lost the best right tackle in the league. 
They lose. The 49ers yeah. lost the best, best left tackle, tackle in the league. league. They lose. For a while, they At lost. Least, yeah. He came back, but he wasn't himself, and he had to block Miles Garrett. Right. That was the reason he came back into the game. He said, I, I couldn't let Brock Purdy get up. crushed. I didn't go up against hurt. I mean, he's Miles like, Garrett. Oh my gosh. That wouldn't have I mean, been the, fair. The, yeah. So if I could walk, I had to try to go out there. Well, he wasn't effective. And then McCaffrey goes down, and Debo Samuel goes down, and the 40, uh, Purdy doesn't play well. Nope. No surprise without McCaffrey. And it's Samuel. McCaffrey, well, yeah, but and, and I love Debo Samuel, but by far the most valuable Ayuka's 49er. Been their, their by best far the most valuable 49er is McCaffrey. It's not oh, even close. No, That's no a, question. It, it, again, difference before McCaffrey, after McCaffrey, yesterday when McCaffrey gets hurt. I'll go as far as argue that you're exactly right. They're, I don't mean just on a offense. Good team. I think he's more they're valuable than Nick team. Bosa. I think. Oh, he is. He's irreplaceable. The yeah. 49ers can win without Nick Bosa. They can even be a contender. They can't be a contender without Christian McCaffrey. And hopefully his injury is short term, that he won't miss much, if any, time. Uh, same thing with Debo Samuel. He's, but as great and as versatile as Debo Samuel is, it's McCaffrey who makes him go and makes Purdy a great quarterback. And Purdy had a bad day yesterday, just as Jalen Hurts did. Jalen Hurts had a bad day because Lane Johnson wasn't out there, and Purdy had a bad day because Christian McCaffrey. Injuries are just the worst, just the worst. And they were particularly notable this weekend. I mean, big stars got hurt. The injuries had an effect on games, who won, who lost. Uh, Teams like uh, Cleveland, the Jets, and the Giants. Now, the Giants didn't win, but they hung in there, even with a lot of injuries, because this – linebacker who came out of nowhere uh, just wrecked the game from a Buffalo standpoint, and it took all the gumption that Josh Allen could muster to get them over the finish line and and win that game. And it just shows you, again, with the Eagles and 49ers losing, nobody's unbeatable. Nope. You get the wrong guy hurt. You get a valuable player, an indispensable player hurt. You can lose to anybody. Cleveland has a hell of a defense. The Jets have a hell of a defense, and the Giants' defense is decent, better than I thought it would be. Of course, the offense can't do anything right, and, you know, maybe they win the game, maybe they don't, but that fiasco at the end of the first half, that reminded me of CU mismanaging the game uh, the other night in the second half. But it was a crazy weekend, and, uh, in the NFL, the Broncos and tonight we got no Dallas and the Chargers. Advantage. Right, boy, two teams well, that go have... go pick that game. Yeah, with any some... degree of confidence. Yeah, that one should be interesting as well. So we'll make sure we check in on that. Of course, we'll look more at uh, all of these things coming along. The Abs will take on the Kraken tomorrow as yes. well. Rematch going on there. How about that uh, Saturday night? How about Georgiev? Uh, Georgiev was phenomenal. We'll talk more about the Abs tomorrow too. And uh, remember, we're. Only about a week away from the Denver Nuggets starting out in a fascinating interview and, uh, with Calvin uh, yes, Booth. We'll talk, we'll talk about, about that, that tomorrow, too. So tomorrow. we'll get to the uh, denizens of Ball Arena soon enough tomorrow. Thanks for joining us, whether you were on the HD radio, the FM dial, MyLifeSports.com, or made it easy on the My Life Sports app. Hopefully you had a chance to check in with Dr. Rick Perea. Always terrific to have him join us on a Monday. If you missed any part of the program, you can go to MyLifeSports.com or like just write in that app. If you already downloaded it, It's in your phone right now. Piece of cake. Go check it out. Thanks to Danny Bailey in the booth for making everything work. We'll be back tomorrow. He's Sandy Clough. I'm Sean Drotar. This is My Life Sports. I can hardly stand it. Oh, what's a man to do?